welcome to the Songs for the Struggling Artist blogcast. I am glad you're listening, and thank you for listening to the blogcast. This is episode 19, and um, this is uh, the blog I'm going to read to you today. I wrote many months ago and published maybe a week ago, week and a half, I don't know. Um, so it's a little bit out of the order, but there kind of is no order. That's how, that's how things go. There is, there is no order. There is what happens when, and those who listen, you know, it's like you're not going to listen to them in order probably anyway. Um, so it really doesn't matter. But I hope it doesn't matter because it's not changing. Um, so um, this blog is fairly New York specific, although I do think it probably applies to to other places around the world and around the country and stuff. Um, and it's just interesting, I, uh, on the blog, I can see who views it and they, it'll tell me what country they live in and um, I can't see who views it, but I can see where people are from. So. I can see, oh, someone in Portugal read the blog, or someone in Slovenia, or wherever. Um, and I do have so many more American readers, or readers who are in the United States, than than anywhere else. So it's funny, because I think of myself as a fairly like, oh, I'm an international type of person. But really, I think, fundamentally, I'm speaking to my fellow Americans. And... We're having a time here, my fellow Americans. I'm not sure I can look at the social medias anymore. It's such a crazy time here. Um, and I think the arts can help. I hope. I hope they can help. Um, I just read a post from a really wonderful poet who was concerned about the future of the arts with this whole election cycle. He was sort of... He said he was watching the Obama give out the the Kennedy Center Awards, I guess, and just imagining what that would be like if things went badly in November. <laughs> and yeah, so that's a that's a, that's scary. So instead of that, here I will read you a, a little bit of positive change that's happening here in New York, um, and it is called. ID NYC makes a difference, um, and I hope that you enjoy it. I've lived in New York City for over a decade and a half. This year, I've probably gone to more museums and cultural institutions than I did in all the previous years put together. This is due to the new ID NYC, a program originally conceived to assist undocumented immigrants, but that is now making a difference in the lives of all kinds of New Yorkers. The IDNYC allows for memberships to over three dozen cultural institutions across the city. It means for me that dozens of places that were formerly cost prohibitive are now completely available. I feel like I'm participating in the culture of the city I live in in a way I never have before. The doors are open. I have previously experienced this kind of availability in London where so many of the public institutions are truly public and charge no admission fees. This kind of openness creates an engaged, literate population. Why has it taken so long for NYC to open its doors this way? 
I can't imagine any, that any of these institutions were thrilled about offering free memberships, but a lot of them operate at the city's pleasure, and the city must be making it worth their while somehow. It's a hugely important step toward making art be more for more than just the privileged few. I hadn't been to the Guggenheim in probably a decade. The Museum of the Moving Image, maybe two decades. And I care about the things they have in their buildings. I just couldn't shell out $25 a pop to see that stuff. When the doors suddenly open, I can engage. We talk about accessibility a lot. In so many of the grants I write, the foundations or governments or whomever's doing the funding want to know how we make our work accessible. The burden of accessibility seems, in the past, to have fallen primarily on individual artists or companies, while institutions, just by virtue of existing, seem to have been able to claim accessibility because of various education programs or community events. But those are just gestures. IDNYC has flung open the doors to so many places, and I'm very excited about what that will mean for the art that's going to come. Maybe, finally, we can have a real diversity of audience, of income, of race, of culture, accessible and exciting. One of the most amazing things about suddenly having access to museums, for me, is my new ability to just run in for a short time. I was early for an appointment and I was near the Met, so I just ran in for half an hour. I got a dose of the Egyptians and I ran back out. It was actually a perfect way to experience the museum. When you're paying, there's a need to make it somehow worth your while. You don't want to pay $20 to just dash in and look at one thing. And then in trying to get my money's worth, I would end up overstimulating myself and I would forget more than I would remember. Previously, the policy at some museums where the suggested donation meant you could pay them whatever you wanted, it didn't actually serve to make the work accessible. The shaming effect of just paying a dollar is probably hard on everyone, but for people who are actually poor, it can be prohibitive, as there is already considerable stigma for poverty. No one wants an appraising look for a museum clerk to add to the bad feeling. So to be able to run in for free, with no status drop required, for as long or as short as you want, it's a total game changer. For me, it will surely make a difference in my creative work to be able to dash in and get a dose of inspiration when I have a spare half hour. Culture should be like this. We should be able to access it whomever we are or however much money we have or don't have. This stuff is important. I'm inspired, too, by Italy's decision to invest half of their terrorism prevention dollars in culture. I think it's very smart, because the more culturally engaged we are, the less likely we are to want to murder people. Being able to freely see things like ancient Egyptian papyri and beautiful paintings can save lives. But also, it just makes for a richer arts environment, and that makes for better art in the end. So uh, I was going to put here at the end of this uh, little bit, at the end of this blog, I was going to put um, a song that sort of relates to the museum-y kind of culture written and inspired by culture. And the song I was going to put here is on the album that I recorded with my band years ago. Um, but apparently, 
I never uploaded the entire album to my iTunes, and my CDs are all MIA, or rather, I think they're all still in storage. So, so I will not be uh, putting the day between the kings here at the end. That that's the song that I was thinking I would tack on the end here. Um, instead, I will put something else, and I'll tell you what that is in a second. So this is the Jackson song, which is a, a Patti Smith song, um, which was introduced to me by my friend Robin. Um, Robin is who I originally started doing the Lullabar project for, so a lot of the songs were originally um, for, for her and for her son, Sasha. Um, and this was a, a request of hers. So this is the Jackson song. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it here with a little, it's a little bit of a stretch because like there's a lot of stuff about blue and blue images. So I was like, that's like a painting. That's like cultural. That's what I'm talking about here. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't think I've put it before. So here it is. Little blue dreamer go to sleep Let's close our eyes and call the deep Slumbering land that just begins When day is done and little dreams First take my hand, now let it go Little blue boy, you're on your own Little blue wings as those feet fly Little blue shoes that walk across the sky May your path be your own, but I'm with you, and each day you'll grow, he'll be there too, and someday when you go, we'll
go as you go and in your travels you will see As you go, as you go.